0: feel free to go to my store on my website at www.healingvitality.ca. Thanks so much for coming on this journey with me. So today I'm super excited to reconnect with somebody I've known for, we think, 10 to 12 years. And we just were doing the math before the podcast. So thank you so much, Mary O'Donnell, for saying yes today.
1: Oh, you're more than welcome. Thank you very much for the invite.
0: Yeah, it's going to be fun because I always like to see where these things go. So, Tell us a little bit about yourself, Mary, so people can get an idea who you are.
1: Sure thing. Well, to start with, I am married and I have been married to my husband for 37 years. Gone very fast. (laughs) I can't believe how quickly the years have passed us by. We have two children and both have partners in their life. I am also a Nana, which is the joy of my life now, of course, I have a three year old grandson and one who is actually expected to arrive in the coming weeks pretty, pretty excited about that as well. The only challenge is that's there in Nova scotia currently, and so through the pandemic uh, we just we don't have a lot of well we don't have any face-to-face contact, but thank goodness we live in the digital world today so that we can do the uh, the virtual get-togethers. Uh, that that part certainly saves me that because I get the chance to see my children and get to see my, my grandson as well. Cool. Um, a little bit about me when I was growing up. Actually, my father was in the military. Actually, both my parents were in the military, but um, my mom that time... Both could not be in the military, so my mom got out of the military when they got married, and so we traveled quite extensively, and I lived in Europe for some informative years of my life, and, well, we traveled for the first 12 years of my life. I think in my first seven years of my life, I lived in nine different homes.
0: Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Wow.
1: You might say that's a lot, but I keep thinking about my poor mother who must have had to pack and unpack and pack and unpack. You know, so wow. my mom was never one to hang on to things. She was very good at getting rid of things because she had to. She did not hang on to things. I think she would have been a great person to to uh, talk about minimalist. Right, <laughs> right. Wow. And, uh, but it was that part of my life certainly was a major influence as to who I am today for a whole lot of reasons. First of all, when you're living in another country, and especially with Canada, it's held in such high regard by other countries, especially the, the European countries. I was always proud to be a Canadian, I still am. It, it really sets the tone for, you know, always being proud to live and happy to live in a such a great country. Foods also, food, it's influenced me because we ate a lot of different things because we lived in in that part of the world. We also did a lot of travel. My parents were, were, were big travelers and took advantage of the opportunity for us to live in that part of the world. So I did get to spend a lot of time in a lot of different countries. So we, we did a lot of camping. I went to a German school for a couple of years. So I did speak German at one time. I can't say that I would remember too many words today. I could probably count to twenty, and you know, say a few other things. But beyond that, didn't stick with me, unfortunately. But I really have fond memories of of those particular years, you know. And, and so, as a result, you know, I like a lot of different foods, and still enjoy travel, and I'm still a proud Canadian. And the other piece that most people I probably one of the one of the things is change. While change is not always something that we always want to easily embrace, it's something that I had to embrace quickly because, as I mentioned to you, when you live in nine different homes over the first seven years of your life, change was was really was the consistent thing in our life. And so you had a friend one day, and then you were moving, and you were dropped into another neighborhood, and you had to make new friends. And you didn't know how long you were going to live there. So it was kind of like, all right, let's just get to the playground. Let's go find some friends. Let's go, you know. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> but every, everybody was in that position. And and so you became an instantaneous friend with people very quickly. And uh, next thing you know, like two weeks later, your best friend was now being transferred to another province or to another country. And that that was just the way it was. Um, so when my dad did retire and I started in, into school as, you know, everybody else was, it was quite a shock. It was quite a shock to me in terms of trying to figure out how to settle in and how to make friends. And, but at the same time, I also knew how to assimilate into new neighborhoods and with friends and so on. So it was it was quite a an interesting life lessons but as I say those have carried through with me in my in my lifetime.
0: For sure. Well <laughs> and and having that exposure to so many different cultures I think would be also an imprint for sure.
1: Absolutely. So as a result of that we have over the course of of our married life Edwin and I have both have taken in exchange students through various exchange programs, initially through the YMCA when I was working, when I worked with them, and then with the Rotary Youth Exchange Program, we were both very heavily involved in that. So we've had exchange students from uh, some various countries in Europe, as well as from some South American countries. So there was a keen interest on my part, because I, I love that part, I like the cultural part, and... Just meeting people and helping them to settle into what I knew would probably be a challenging year. While they accepted to go on an exchange, it doesn't mean that it wasn't difficult for them. So it was just fun to be able to, to be part of their life and to help them settle into the Canadian culture.
0: Absolutely. Well, and to impart some of your wisdom and innate abilities from your childhood, I'm sure would have been really helpful too in terms of making them feel comfortable in a foreign country.
1: Oh, for sure. I would say, you know, most of them were very good in getting settled in, but still not still not simple and nice to be able to come home and feel like you have somebody who is your ally or your friend, at least, right? And so that would be something that we were able to do and support them through through that. But that's kind of sums up my life in a couple of minutes.
0: <laughs> sure, exactly. Well, And I always learn something because I didn't know that was your start in life, so that's really cool. So... It's shifting gears a little bit, before the podcast, we were talking about you currently, and I have had experience um, managing people and working with people, and how it is, it's something that takes up a lot of time if you do it right, and I, and I put right in quotations, Meaning, right? Being people focused, I guess. And just when you were talking before the podcast, I'm like, "Oh yeah, she's people people focused just as much as she's process focused." And I thought to myself, "This is going to be an interesting podcast because I think if she doesn't bring that up, I'm going to bring that up because because I, <laughs> <laughs> I think intuition comes in when you're when you're able to. To be a people-focused manager, you have to have some level of intuition in order to know how to how to steer conversations or get to a positive outcome in dealing with conflict or whatever the case may be. So if you're not going to bring that up, just know I'm going to bring it up, Mary. So so shifting gears a little bit, how does intuition come to you?
1: Well, if I had to sum it up in one word, I would really call it experience. In my early years of my career, decision-making probably was challenging without experience. But I think with time, you learn to, through your mistakes, you, don't get me wrong, you know, I think we all still continue to make mistakes no matter what point we are in our, in our career or where we are in life, but I, I like to think that I have learned to listen over the course of my, my career, ask good questions. But the really the most important and the most valuable piece for me, in all honesty, in that intuition, is that once I've sort of gathered up information that means that I have to come to a decision on something, I like to go home and sleep on it. And I, I've learned that valuable Skill from somebody I worked with years ago. Because when you're making some big decisions, one of the things that happens is if you make the decision and then you go, you walk away and you go, okay, I've made that decision, and you go home and you can't sleep, you realize that maybe I wasn't quite sure that that decision, I was comfortable with that decision. As opposed to, and, and staff have gotten used to me now when I say to them, so if we've all agreed this is what sounds like the right scenario the right decision to make but before we proceed with it I'd like to go home and sleep on it, and I'd ask you to go home and sleep on it and let me know tomorrow if you still have more questions or if another piece of information has come to you that perhaps we didn't discuss here because one of two things will happen if I sleep peacefully then it means that I feel pretty sound about the decision that we have come to the other piece is that if I didn't sleep well that means that maybe I still need to ask more questions and so it's it's always that part of me, and, and over the course of my lifetime, whether it was work-related or just anything, when you're dealing with people, no matter where you are, it's as soon as your head hits the pillow, that's when you oftentimes replay out the day. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that is often when you realize, I forgot to ask that, or what if this happened, or what if that happened? And the big challenge in many days when you work in an environment that can be very busy is that you forget to sometimes pause and reflect because you're busy listening and you're asking questions but maybe you really haven't allowed yourself to kind of feel like you might want to live that moment to say am I happy with that direction and so that's what I tend to do I tend to say, okay, I finished that. I'm just going to leave it on my desk. I'm going to go home and I'm going to see how I feel in the morning. And it might be just even coming back and sort of doing a walk around and saying, are you still comfortable with that? And if we're all still comfortable with it, then let's proceed. But at the same time, the the big thing that I think over the course of life and growing up this is just again it comes back to experience you know at one time people used to say well you made your decision I said well I made my decision based on the facts I had in the moment but it doesn't mean that I can't change my decision if more facts become available to me because if, if not all the information has come to me at that moment but it comes later and it warrants a rethink or warrants a change decision then then it should be
0: done right so true because people often don't believe that their initial intuition can change and you just nailed it right there. We all have the power to change our decisions based on new information or a different environment or I use the party scenario you you have plans to go out you're expecting to be with x y and z person you arrive and there's 40 people there that environment just changed, and your intuition may say, "Nope, I shouldn't be here." And so that's when it's okay to leave, and nobody can argue with your intuition. So you're—I think you're the first person that have said that in seventy-some podcasts. So thank you for the message.
1: <laughs> uh, well, it, it, again, as I say, it's—it's just experience. Um, I do believe, and and sometimes when you change your mind, people say, "Well, I thought that you made the decision and it was this." And I, I say, "Well, you know, sometimes though, when new information does come to me, I, I, I like to think that, and I, and other people would would trust would trust me to weigh that information in in terms of." Does it impact the previous decision? And if again, if I have, if I go home and I can't sleep because I have new information, I have to make that decision, right? So yeah, that's kind of how, as I say, intuition would be experience. Yeah, it's just a lifetime of experience.
0: And it's it's so true how many sleepless nights people have, and it's because they're stirred up because something doesn't sit right. So thank you for bringing that to the table too. I imagine there's lots of people around the world that are going to be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> or the other piece is a lot of times people right between going to sleep, like and sleeping or waking up and sleep. There's this window where insight happens sometimes. And we absolutely can only get that window if we go through the process of trying to go to sleep. Have you had experience with that, too?
1: Oh, I have. Absolutely. Sometimes uh, I find that exercise is a big part of my process. One time I was a, a big runner and so it was my time for thinking things through and surprising how many aha moments I would have as I was running. New It's informa- like, almost like I was able to line up the dots or to be able to put the puzzles in the spots where they needed to be and realize that oh, I hadn't really recognized that full picture until that moment. And so that also plays a big part in sometimes my process, if you will. So not just, you know, going to bed and thinking about it and having a sleepless night, but um, a sleepless night is obviously an indication that um, there's something more that you're really not thinking or maybe you're just denying yourself to to think about it.
0: Mm, That's true too, right? The elephant in the room staring at you while you're trying to go to sleep. (laughs) Exactly. So are there any situations or stories you'd like to share about how intuition's shown up in your life?
1: I tried to think of something, and and on all honesty, I couldn't think of any one particular scenario. Maybe when we're done this podcast, something might come to me and I'll go, aha. The, The thing that I have learned, though, is that the trick to good intuition really is taking the time to pause and to reflect. Sometimes we just get so busy and we feel the pressure to make a decision in a in the moment because everybody is sitting around the table looking at you to come to a decision. It's not always the right moment to make that decision because you are maybe on the hot seat or maybe there's other things that are sort of nipping at your heels that also need your attention. And so sometimes you're not giving the right amount of attention to that particular decision. And the other thing too is I probably, I shouldn't say I probably, because I am, I'm a highly sensitive to other people's feelings. And I do everything I can to take that into consideration. But there is a point in time where you do have to realize that you do have to still make a decision whether it is a good one, or maybe not so good for some people.
0: A popular choice or not. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. But I I wish I could think of a particular story.
0: So I guess one thing that I wonder, because I don't know this about you, is what made you pick up running?
1: Oh, I was in university, and there were a group of us that were working in this Accounting office actually at the university, and someone said, Oh, there's an exercise program that they're running down at the gym. And one of them said, Hey, why don't we go do that? So we went down and they did this assessment of where we were at physically, and they broke us up into three different groups in terms of what level of activity they needed to start us at. And I landed in this particular group, and the lady who had who was in charge of the group was actually a student in physical education, and she was the first woman to win. Do you remember the? Um, do you remember the event where the, they had participants run up the staircase of the the the, the tower in in uh, in Toronto?
0: Oh, the CN Tower. The CN
1: Tower. Yeah. Yes. It's, uh, many years ago, yes. well, she she was the the first woman to win it. Really. So she was yeah. extremely fit yeah. <laughs> and she said to us, I think I'd like to teach you guys how to run. And I went, mm-hmm. I run, I run short distance cause I was a kind of a track runner. So I always did sprints, but I said, I don't run, you know, long distance. And she said, everybody could run long distance. And if I bet you, I could show you guys how to do it. And so I started running with the group and, our last day of running with her was that she ran us from the university down through the of Fredericton across the bridge and over to Dairy Queen and gave us a treat. <laughs> that's very <racist. laughs> But it was a pretty incredible feeling. I, it was one of those things I thought, I can never do that. And I knew people who, who did long distance running, but I always looked at them and went, no, that's not something I could ever do. And then I realized I can do that. And there's so many other things I could do now. So it was, a, it was a great opportunity to challenge myself to do something. But little did I know that it was then going to become my lifelong passion
0: yeah. to,
1: to do it. And so I've, I've run most of my life outside of my pregnancies, I guess. And a few years back, I broke my foot. Yes. So that kind of delayed getting back into it. And I started running again off and on and then I broke my wrist last year. Yes, and which uh, it, it's, it was hard to run with a broken wrist. Yes. It sounds it sounds funny. Some people might say no, it's not. But I had a lot of pain, and since though so I just couldn't get, and it was just enough time to get me out of running that I realized this is like starting all over again. So I plan to get back into it. I've been running off and on, but I wouldn't call myself a, a big runner. And my daughter challenged me to run an event. Uh, some years back, and I said, Oh, no, no, I can't run an event. She said, Mommy, run all the time? Like, what's, why not? And I said, oh, I don't know. I've just never run an event before. So she and I ran the Blue Nose, and we had a ball. It was the biggest high I've ever had, uh, you know, in my running life, just running with, you know, six or 7,000 other people. Yes. Just incredible. And, with people lining up along the street, and you're thinking, really? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just so used to running by myself, mm-hmm. you know, on a little side street. Never run in an, any kind of an event like that before. So so we, we became running partners, and we did it for quite a few years, and then we ran more than one event, and we started running other events. Yeah, and then she made me a Nana, so, you know, running... <laughs> <laughs> running took a different
0: uh, perspective yeah. for her for a while. Yeah, now you're running after a little person or she is. Yes, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Cool. Well, yeah. and I would say that like I mentioned before, in you talk about it, sensing people's feelings and mm-hmm. I think that is part of your intuition in a sense because it gives you an insight into how a conversation's going or how something's going to land when you present it to a team. So do you find, or, or have you connect? I'm sure you've connected that dot, but like, can you talk about that in broad terms?
1: Yeah, I guess the, what I would say about that is that it can be a positive, but it can also be a curse. Positive in that you can ask good questions and just to make sure that you are on the same page with the person and also to acknowledge how they might be feeling in a situation. But at the same time, you can really almost get too deep and then it it can absorb you as well. And I'm not saying that it's not important to understand or to not acknowledge those feelings, but I sometimes get challenged with shaking those feelings, right? Because it then becomes, I, I, I absorb them, I guess, at times, and it can at times take over your thinking, mm-hmm. or it can influence your thinking. And I and I recognize that in me. So that's where that sleeping piece comes into play as well. Yes, uh, because if you realize that there is there's divide in a decision, I like to play it out of my head to based on the information that I've had, but also based on if somebody has an argument, is it more of a an emotional argument, or is it more of an objective argument, I say emotional or, or a subjective argument, so that you're making a good decision based on what would be common sense, if you were to call it common sense, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. But not all decisions... A grounded
0: decision more. Yes, there we
1: go. That would be the right word. Mm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. because sometimes decisions do have to be based on subjectivity, not always objectivity. Right. Objectivity comes into play when you are presenting it. So you take the feeling out of it so you can show people why that decision had to be made or you know, and it, so it's not about people. But at the same time, a process cannot work without without people
0: either. Oh, ah, exactly. So there's a fine balance.
1: There is a fine balance, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm still working on that.
0: <laughs> oh, I think it's called being human. I think uh, I think there, if you run across a human that's not working on it, let me know. So thank you so much for today, Mary. This has been great. Oh, you're uh, welcome. I hope that uh, people recognize their sleep patterns a little more as a way to gauge how life's sitting with them because I think that's an important message from today. Until next time.
1: Yes. Well, thank you. And- one day we'll have to share a dessert together.
0: Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm always calling Mary out on all her desserts on on social media because I'm like, really? You're going to send me a picture of that now? It's 930 at night. Like, come on. <laughs> so we share a passion for chocolate.
1: Oh, yes, I do. <laughs> I do. I, I, I will not deny that.
0: <laughs> yeah. One day we will have to have dessert. Sounds good.
1: Heather, that's why I run.
0: Fair that's- enough fair
1: enough right so Good. i so i can eat what i what i like to eat
0: <laughs> yeah that's a fine balance again
1: exactly
0: yeah all right have a great day mary thank you very much heather thank you so much for giving us your time today we truly appreciate our guests for sharing their stories and insights about how intuition has impacted their lives And I'm so grateful for Peter Trainer for his time in giving me this original music. It's now your turn. It's your turn to listen and act on your own intuition and help make the world a better place. Until next time, keep seeing, being, knowing, and doing. If you like this podcast, please share it. If you want to find others like it, Go to www.healingvitality.ca or wherever you would find your podcasts. We would love to have you join us on this journey. Come be a crow sitting in the tree. Be part of our community.